comics, movies, music, video games, technology, Blu-ray, television. This is the HHW LOD Podcast Network. The HHW LOD Podcast Network proudly presents Real Heroes, the podcast that takes a critical look at comic book movies. The good. I am Iron Man. The bad. I punish the guilty. And the worthless. I am the law. Before we begin, does anybody want to get out? I see what you did there. Nothing. Nothing. Crickets. <laughs> uh, oh, oh, we're recording? Yes, we're recording. <laughs> okay, all right. We'll, we'll do it better if, uh, on the live show. Good thing that was just rehearsal. Yeah. Hey, everybody. This is our first live test. Yes. So just be aware there's going to be some weird delays and things like this. That would be edited out in regular show. Hey, my video just started, which means we have a 55-second delay. Awesome. So this is my video had been going for a while though, maybe ten seconds. <laughs> yeah. So if you're just tuning in, this is the Real Heroes podcast on Captain America: The Winter Soldier. This is Russ, and I have with me Jim, Ken, and Jordan. And uh, as you can tell by this, we hey. are doing our first live stream YouTube broadcast of the podcast. Um, so apologize for any hitches any hiccups any weird glitches um but this is pretty exciting for us we've been kind of playing around with this for a while and captain america the winter soldier is pretty timely so we thought uh let's just start with this Indeed, okay great you can actually yeah. see our logos as i watch the video in the background which we can't see our own logos here not all of us but they are all visible on the stream so that's very nice yeah yeah i wasn't camera ready otherwise I'd be more than happy to put the put the video on but i'm just not feeling it yeah and my internet well it takes uh, so long to put your face on yeah and my internet is a little glitchy so uh we kind of got to minimize the bandwidth for me i am the weakest link okay but we're not here to talk about uh google hangouts or youtube no we're here to talk about captain america the winter soldier uh so we all saw it and uh like we always do on real heroes i'll run down the numbers and we'll get into the the nitty-gritty um, so we'll start off. It was released, of course, on April 4th of 2014. It has uh, so far a domestic gross of $101 million, uh, and that's after four days, I guess four and a half days maybe, um, since the Thursday showings were strong with $10 million, and it did a $95 million opening weekend, which uh, I was hearing some earlier in the week that it was going to be closer to like maybe they were thinking 65 or 70, maybe even 80. Uh, and then as the weekend went by, it just went up and up and up. And what was the final number, did you say? 95 million was the was the final count for the weekend. Which is the biggest in April and it's just absolutely ph phenomenal. Yeah, and it's up. Uh, so Captain America, the first Avenger, was 65 million on its opening weekend. So this is a pretty big bump. 
And I was reading about that bump, and they were pointing out that it's not even like, hey, the first one was only in 2D, so now you have the 3D bump. They were both in 3D. Right. So it, this is a straight one-to-one increase. Which is good. I mean, we're definitely seeing a post-Avengers bump. I mean, uh, you know, Iron Man 3 was a huge blockbuster. We got Thor, the Dark World, which was huge as well. And so far, Captain America, the Winter Soldier, is outpacing Thor, the Dark World. First uh, of all, I, I want to apologize to all my listeners, all the listeners out there. I'm going to sound like Brenda Vaccaro or Kathleen Turner tonight. I'm fighting a chest cold. Um, I think these, Mar- these Marvel movies have an incredible amount of momentum behind them. I think that's what we're seeing as the box office goes on. It gets, you know, it's almost like a snowballing game, bigger and bigger. I mean, Thor the Lost World did better than expected. I'm sure Cap, uh, Cap 2 um, will as well. I mean, rolling into, I'm hoping all that, you know, momentum keeps going into Guardians. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think Guardians of the Galaxy is, um, I think risk might be too strong a word, but certainly it's going to be. Uh, they had really strong footing with the, the the characters they've used so far, but to to step outside of the Earth based Avengers team and to go out in outer space, it, it's it's a big risk. It's almost on level of when they did the very first Iron Man movie. So it's exciting on um, what's coming there. But hopefully they can build on what they got from Captain America two, and uh, I'm sure the 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 Blu-ray release for Cap two will be. Actually, probably would be after. I don't know if they've actually announced a date yet for it, but they will be doing something to kind of help promote that come summer. Yeah. Uh, but I'm I'm really looking uh, looking forward to to that movie, and uh, it, it's been no secret to anybody who listens to uh, to me talk about these movies in the past on LOD or even on uh, on uh, the Shields TV podcast. But the biggest thing draw to me for these movies or that show is the shared continuity, and and I'm really looking forward to Guardians to seeing how they. Uh, how they can tie it into the to the uh, the bigger Marvel uh, world well, that even, already exists. They've already teased it with uh with a with. I was going to say, well, even just on its own. I mean, a lot of our the science fiction big tentpole science fiction movies we've had out lately have been pretty serious, grim affairs like Elysium or uh, After Earth or you know Oblivion. I'm thinking of like you know all the recent sci-fi movies. For I me, mean, from the trailer, this obvious has obviously has a lighter touch, more like you know the dare I say it earlier Star Wars films. You know, just that sense of high high adventure and yeah. humor and a real lived-in universe and that kind of thing. So I think it's going to really seem like a breath of fresh air after all this, like, super serious sci-fi we've had lately. Yeah, and the sense of humor that's in all of these Marvel movies has been present from day one. Uh, Captain America, the Winter Soldier, is no exception to that. And, and you're right, they definitely hit the... Uh, I think they covered the gamut of what Guardians is going to be. It's going to be between the sense of humor and the action and the serious tone to it. You saw a little bit in everything in that teaser, and I'm looking forward to to seeing more about it as we lead into the uh, into the run up to that. Yeah. So to do a little bit more on the number side, uh, the foreign gross so far, and again, this is second weekend, I guess, for foreign, but first weekend for domestic. Uh, so as we record this on a Tuesday. Uh, the domestic gross is sitting at 101 million. The foreign gross is sitting at 207 million, which is a total of 308 million. Um, whereas Cap One had a total uh, gross worldwide gross of 370 million. So, really, in the first, you know, two weeks of release, we're we're almost at what it had, what the first movie had in its entire run, which is again just very very impressive. And we're at half the, right now we're at half the gross of Thor: The Dark World. Yeah, after after basically one week domestic. Well, now does that did that include uh, 
the international because that was about a week earlier in uh or is that just domestic just the united states the the 308 is total overseas and domestic the 370 from cap one is overseas and domestic okay and is that um i'll lose my train of thought uh, is that is that what the half of Cap Two is, or Cap of Thor Two is? Yeah, so Thor Two is domestic. Uh, uh, I think worldwide was like six seventy five or something like that, six fifty. So, do you guys see Cap Two having the legs to overtake Thor Two in the overall gross? Oh, absolutely. I do. I really do. I think the yeah. character has a wider I mean, appeal base overall. I think anyway. As much as I enjoyed Thor Two, I think it's a stronger movie. Yeah, in, in just oh, in I general, it's a better. It's a better movie. I think it, and we'll get into that, but I think it has a lot to do with the theme of this movie and in the modern world. And it, it's less, uh, it's less an American movie, I, I, I would say, than than the first one is. Oh, oh yeah. Uh, so I that's... Mean, it, it definitely has an international appeal. I mean, it has themes that would deal, with, you know, a lot of different countries have to deal with, with the you know, surveillance, you know, security, sure, you know, security versus, uh, um, you know, freedom. You know those kind of things. I mean, the directors themselves, the guys from Community, said they were, you know, kind of trying to channel those '60s and '70s spy movies. You know, the the, the feeling of, of suspicion and, and and paranoia, and it fit really well with you know today's uh, political climate. You know, as you said. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so to talk a little bit about um, uh, the 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 ratings, the critic ratings. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes has it at 89%, which is uh, pretty impressive. It's, it's pretty good. Um, and the audience rating is 95%. So uh, overwhelmingly positive. I mean, pretty early on, the Rotten Tomatoes score was in the mid-90s. And it, it isn't until the last couple of days, I guess, that it's kind of down-ticked a little bit. But 89% for Rotten Tomatoes is still pretty uh, is still pretty impressive score. Critics have really enjoyed it. Audiences are very positive. The IMDb rating and Metacritic rating are 80, at 83 right now, which is really high. Um, one of the highest of the Marvel movies overall. Um, and that's with uh, 61,000 users. Again, it just it seems like not only is it a crowd pleaser, but the, the critics are liking it too. Yeah, I've talked to a lot of people uh, about the movie, uh, both comic fans and non-comic fans, and consistently everybody really, really has enjoyed it. Um, I thought it was, I thought it was paced, paced very well, and um... well, I mean, it's definitely got those elements of like a Bond movie or you know a spy movie, or like uh, you know Three Days of the Condor or Day of the Jackal or you know those kind of movies, uh, Straw Dogs, yep. you know those kind of you know re- realistic espionage films, and uh, kind of tied with the super spy James Bond stuff. So I think that's why it's having such a mass appeal. I mean, even beyond just fans of Cap. Yeah, yeah, one of the the reviews I I read um, shortly before I saw maybe a couple of days before the release here compared it to it said it was, it's a spy thrill and compared it to things like uh, uh, Last Day of the Condor I think is what the title Three Days of the um, Condor Three Days of Condor Thank you and, but it's uh, it's really is uh, that made me happy and I was pleased to read that that that's where it's going because the the two Captain America movies were clearly inspired by um, the Brubaker run. Uh, that led, of course, that of course gave us the Winter Soldier and led us into um, a lot of Captain America's things in Civil War. Uh, we're going to get going against Shield, things like that. But it uh, that that those words were used to describe that that particular run of Captain America in the comics, a spy thriller, a spy 
espionage story. So to to take that spirit of it and and build that movie uh, with those characteristics was was really good. And it had a great supporting cast. Really took the role of Shield and and uh, uh, let us get a little deeper into that. Aside from the turn it took. Um, and I think, believe it or not, like of all the thoughts going through my mind throughout the entire movie, and and as I left the theater, everything from, uh, you know, how's the, where's Cap going to be in Avengers in a year? Where is this going to take the TV show? The one thing that was probably strongest of my thoughts was, I want, I need a Black Widow movie. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I don't know if we've said it already, but we should just warn anybody who's listening. Full spoilers for this movie. Yeah, all our real heroes are full spoiler episodes. Um, I would even argue... (laughs) But for anyone watching the stream who's not used to that, you should know. Never go full spoiler. (laughs) Obviously, they took the uh, Brubaker storyline as the root plot line or whatever. But I would also argue this story owes a lot to the 80s J.M.D. Mateus and Mike Zekron, the uh, Secret Empire uh, Caps uh, books, Caps storyline, where... Hydra had infiltrated the highest level of S.H.I.E.L.D. Cap had to go on the run as the Nomad. Um, oh, yeah. Back in the day, yeah. I mean, that whole story, that whole major plot twist in this movie, you know, was taken directly from that Secret Empire storyline. So it was kind of a kind of a cool oh, wow, moment yeah. of not only the Brubaker, and uh, I, I mean, when we talked about that comic on LOD, we, I mean, that was a smart way to take Cap, because think about his, his power set, his abilities, and his expertise. The best way to use him would be in S.H.I.E.L.D. or as an espionage, uh, you know, asset or whatever. So, I mean, it makes perfect sense to go with that Brubaker story, and they kind of melded, melded the, the Secret Empire story onto that. You know, and then, of course, threw in Arnim Zola and a lot of other cool things for Spice, but we'll get to that. Yeah. So just real quick, I want to talk about the directors. So Joe and Anthony Russo. Now, I'll admit, when this first came up, I was a little skeptical because these guys were known for, like, Arrested Development and Community, uh, not really big, huge blockbuster movies. But for a couple of guys that uh, don't have a lot of big-budget action experience, they just completely knocked it out of the park. Well, yeah, and these are the guys who did, you know, particularly in Community, you know, the paintball episodes, some of the more genre-specific uh types of episodes so marvel knew when they hired these guys that they are kind of genre chameleons and can really grasp onto what makes a specific subgenre of movie work because they've already been able to do it on a small budget on a small scale on community and here they took that and if you go back and watch each one of these marvel universe movies that element of humor is in every single one of these i mean when i first walked out of avengers i first saw it i'm just like god that movie is hilarious you know that that humor is and it's here in Cap too as well. Yeah. So I mean, banking on the yeah. Russos, you know, like like Jordan said, they're genre chameleons. They're able to you know adapt to a lot of different things. They obviously have a lot of pop culture depth to them. You know, they know where to draw from, know where to go as far as story, plot, and character, and then also to have that comedic edge to them too is you know nothing but you know a win win. Absolutely. So writing wise, we get uh, the the writing pair of Christopher Marcus and Stephen McFeely, which is kind of a return. For that duo, they they had writing credits on First Cap, on Thor The Dark World. Uh, so again, I think the writing was top-notch here. And to have that continuity between those movies, I think, is is really essential, too. Well, something I found interesting, speaking to these, the, the fact that these guys have written so many of these scripts or whatever for the Marvel Universe, three of them now, right? Um, is that Kevin Feige has, I mean, we, we saw, we, I heard this week or I read an article with an interview with him, that he has it like mapped out to like 2028. He has like 
Yeah, yeah new, I saw that. Elements and he wants in each of the scripts. I mean, he's not telling the screenwriters, you know, this must do this, this, and this, and this, but, you know, the, he has, like, certain, like, visual motifs or whatever that are played in this giant grand scheme of things. So it would make sense that he would go to these two uh, guys who he's worked with before, you know, to, to, to put this together and to be able to, you know, keep it cohesive in that Marvel movie universe flavor. Yeah, I would expect there's a, a, a general plot line that he wants to weave throughout all these movies, and every movie needs to, like, like not not that he doesn't care, but, you know, the the main plot of the individual movie can be nearly anything, as long as this or this and this happens. Uh, right. I, I could see something like that, you know, being being on the on the on the bigger picture grand scope. Um, you know, there's been talk of a, uh, of a of a Doctor Strange movie as part of you know Phase Three or coming up. So just a simple mention of his name, of Stephen Strange's name in this movie, could have been one of those little seeds saying, you know, just just work it in there. Well, and actually, I saw an interview with the writers the other day. They actually brought the idea to Kevin Feige in that case. I mean, you're not, you're not wrong, uh, Ken. That kind of thing is exactly what I think they probably do. But in this case, it was the writers who went, can we put in a, uh, or or the directors, can we put in a Doctor Strange reference? And they said, sure, that'll fit just fine. Well, I mean, clearly uh, they're open to that because if you remember back to the very first Iron Man uh ILM on their own CGI'd in uh, an incomplete Captain America shield, which became a physical prop in Iron Man 2. Right, yeah. right, right, absolutely. And apparently Marvel was so happy with the Russos. I mean, as the buzz started getting up bigger for the Winter Soldier, they pretty much hired them to flat out say, you guys are going to do Cap 3, and then they, they kind of penned in the release date. So, uh, you know, obviously they're they're happy with the way things turned out. So who, who do you think is going to blink on that, by the way? I don't know if you got, um, if our listeners are familiar, but Cap 3 and uh, the uh, Superman, Batman, uh, Bat, Bat Affleck uh, <laughs> movie are supposed to be coming out on the same weekend. Are they going to, do you think that'll actually happen or is one of them going to blink? Whether or not it happens or not, but I don't think Marvel Studios has any reason to to blink. They 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 should confidently stick to where they are at. I say DC either moves it up to a winter twenty fifteen, although that's tough because you got the new Star Wars movie. Um, I think at worst they move it to April, basically this spot, the Cap two two spot in twenty sixteen. That's that's what I think. But yeah, Marvel's not going to budge. Unless they decide, you know what, we had good success with April 4th of 2014. Maybe we'll just do April 4th of 2016. I don't know. I Considering the way um, – I don't know how much we want to go into – no, I'm not going to talk about the plot in general, but just the concept. Uh, we, we knew from the beginning that the TV show Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. was going to be an extension of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's going to be tied in. We talk about that week on week at on, uh, on the S.H.I.E.L.D. TV podcast. But seeing the way – the show tied into this movie in basically real time. I mean, it overlapped the movie, you know, at the front end and the back end between the last two weeks. Uh, I, I almost wonder if, yes, they were confident the movie would do well in April, or at least they were confident enough to give it a chance. But I gotta wonder if the decision to do so wasn't done based on their plans for the show and say, hey, what if we did this? Put it out right in the middle of the show's season to be able to tie them all together in some way. Because the writers of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. knew the plot of this movie, knew where it was going from the very beginning, and wrote the show to, to, to meet this, these needs. Right. 
So, so where I'm going with that is, is you know, yeah, they may still consider moving back to April, and but just not have that reason. Um, but I think it was done for more than just, hey, let's move to April just to do it. I think I think their plans for the, the TV show uh, very well may have planned have planned that. That's complete speculation on my part. I did not read that, but I wouldn't be surprised. Agreed. Um, so let I, I guess we'll run down the cast real quick before we get into open discussion. Uh, you know, most of them. You know, a, a good portion of this cast is going to be kind of returning players. Uh, so we'll, I'll just kind of read down those quick. Um, of course, Chris Evans as Captain America, Sam Jackson as Nick Fury. We get ScarJo back as the Black Widow. Uh, Sebastian Stan back as Bucky Barnes slash uh, Winter Soldier. Uh, Kobe Smulders is back as Maria Hill. And of course, Max Hernandez is back as Agent Jasper Sitwell. I really, uh, I really thought Sebastian Stan did a great job in this. I thought he was a good Stan. I mean, he didn't have a lot of scenes to work with that weren't action scenes, but I thought the scenes that he was in uh, were were pretty effective. He didn't you know, have a lot of scenes, period, which I was yeah, kind of surprised yeah, at. Was also, especially since the movie's called The Winter Soldier, you thought there would have been a little more. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he was definitely a minor, not minor, but he definitely was not as prevalent as I would have expected. Although I got to tell you, when I Saw Sebastian Stan. I've only known him from a couple other things besides Captain America. Um, and he's up at the Winter Soldier. Yeah, when he's full on Winter Soldier, full in costume, the mask and everything, he looks he looks awesome. But those couple scenes when he either didn't have the mask on or like when he's in the in the in the lab, I was like, I don't think you I'm sold. Boob, when that Boo Baker was electrocuting him. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Brubaker, is that Brubaker, yeah. really? When they, when, they, when they do the that's electrocution awesome. on him or whatever to wipe his mind, that's Brubaker that pulls the switch. Oh, I had no idea. That's awesome. I don't know. I like yeah. uh, I like Sebastian Stan a lot. I've seen him in a number of things, and uh, I totally bought him you know, in the costume and outside of it. I tell you, he was excellent as a Mad Hatter in Once Upon a Time Wonderland. Or Once Upon a Time. And uh, the, the, the guy who really stole the movie for me is Anthony Mackie, though, as the Falcon. Oh yeah, he was the best addition. He was the he was the highlight of the movie for me. I gotta for tell sure. you guys, one the very first Captain America comics I ever read back in the seventies were the um, Captain America and the Falcon books that Jack Kirby did, and then uh, also then were taken over later by Jeff Sinnott. And the Falcon was like one of my favorite characters. My my dad <clears throat> a little bit on was a little bit on the racist side, and he got mad at me because the action figure I wanted as a kid was the Falcon, uh, the Mego. You know, the Mego oh, actually figured that was the one I picked out was the Falcon. So it was so cool to see him so well realized in this movie. And there's so many ways they could have messed it up. But I just thought Anthony Mackie was tone perfect. And, you know, the way they introduced him and everything it made, made sense. I, I really dug it. Well, the way they introduced him, the opening scene of the movie was just fun, clever, yeah. subtle even. Just, you know, just doing the jog, you know, on your left, on your left. Don't He's you just getting say madder it. Don't madder. you say it. Don't say it. Don't say it. <laughs> And uh, and then there's the end as as he was leaving, he's like, "Oh, that's how it is. That's how you know." It did, they already had a camaraderie that that only two soldiers could have, but the fact that they uh, got that trust so quick uh, was was pretty pretty and cool. The, and the sales um, for Trouble Man have gone up on iTunes. I've read recently. I imagine so. <laughs> you know, as as an aside, did you see the article where um, that list when the, they got the close with the notebook was was changed based on the region? Yeah. So, like you know, Europe got a different list, or Russia got a different list, or whoever. I thought that was inter- interesting, and and you know, it makes sense. Again, a way to kind of appeal to that global market, you know, where it's not just a U.S. centric movie in a you know in a global world. So I I, th- I thought that was kind of interesting to see how it. 
how it changed uh, as it as it moved around. And it really shows the attention to detail they put in these yes. movies. I mean, when we talk yes. about the Easter eggs later, I mean, this, there were mad Easter eggs in this movie. These guys in this movie, um, yeah, guys. I can't wait for the Blu-ray to really get them all. But um, I mean, the attention mm-hmm. to detail just overall is crazy. Like when, like yeah, when he, lots, throws, lots he throws of... the plans down for the wings and it says, you know, prototype Exo Falcon. You yeah. Know, you're like, okay, I get it. All right. But I thought it looked great, too, though, in, in motion and flight. Um, yeah, and, and like everything they've done where they made a, a either a change or a modification or, or just tweak something to make it fit in this world, um, having it be that, that military flight suit just just worked, worked really yeah. well. Because um, now... In in the comics, I mean, it, it's a super. Is a, is he a powered? Is he a powered individual? No. Is that what how his flight is, or is it still a suit? No, it's still a suit. But he has this weird psychic connection to the bird. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah. yeah, that's what I was thinking of. I thought so. Now the ultimate Falcon is much more closer to this. Yes. Movie. Right. Yes. Right. And, and that makes sense. The whole MCU has been an, an amalgamation, uh, amalgamation of both, but it's definitely leaned more to the ultimate sure. side than, than, than not. Right. So, so that certainly makes sense as well. But it, like you guys were saying, I, after seeing this, I really, if, if they had to choose between Don Cheadle's, uh, iron Patriot or, you know, war machine or, uh, Anthony Mackie's Sam Wilson Fal- Falcon, I so want Anthony Mackie to, to not to edge that out because he was just fantastic. I mean, I was really, really impressed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I said, oh, he's not. No, it's it, yeah. I, there's there's word, rumor, whatever you want to call it, that it's going to be Cheadle as as War Machine slash Iron Patriot. Well, I I saw a uh, a clip just today. I guess Cheadle was on Arsenio Hall, and they were talking about the Avengers. It's actually a fun little joke. He's like, you know, well, I'll tell you one secret. You know, Marvel likes to keep it a little, little tight to the chest, but I can let you know one thing. And, and as he started talking, red dots start showing up on his body, like you know they're putting a hit on him <laughs> to keep him from talking. And, <laughs> and Arsenio, so he's like, let's talk about something else. And it, 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 that's all the joke was. But just the fact that they were talking about the Avengers suggests to me that yes, you're right. He's he's in or involved in the movie somehow. Yeah. Um, I I was really I cut out for a second there, so I don't know if you guys talked about it, but we really got a lot more depth to Scarlett Johansson's Black Widow. No, we didn't get to her at all yet, but that's, you're absolutely and, correct. We got... Uh, and yeah. I just really like that she's... She's just like... She doesn't even know who she is, you know? And she's like... You know, she has that line where she's like, who do you want me to be? Like, basically, I am what I need to be as the circumstance mm-hmm. dictates. And, you know, we start to get, like, where she's coming from as a character and you know, who she is. And I, I thought it was great because it, it could have easily gone down the whole romantic relationship between her and Cap. And, you know, whenever she was like, put your arm around me, kiss me, it was all just, this is what the mission dictates right at this time. Like, I've calculated this out. Um, and it, yeah. it just works so well. And I just, you know, like you guys said at the beginning, you really want a Black Widow movie. And I, I totally agree. I think I think it can, it, it, they could pull it off so well um and it could totally fit and i'm really i'm really hoping that as a part of phase three we get like some sort of black widow movie you know and, and they gave us the perfect setup as well and i don't necessarily want a a prequel per se right but i want to know what her past is and the fact that it's all out there is perfect because then they can set up a whole movie based on that where she has a face you know her past and we get to see it in flashback or in narration or whatever 
Um, I mean, the opportunity is perfect now for that. There's a really cool fan poster that has a, a split uh, of uh, her and Jeremy Renner in the movie called Budapest. Yeah, and yeah. I thought, <laughs> I thought that would be a cool idea. But I do agree. I really like her portrayal in this movie. She seems to be growing so much more as an actress more and more and more ever since I saw her first in uh, Lost in Translation. Um, I definitely think she could carry a movie on her own. And she's very true to like the nature of this character in the comics. I mean, she was always... You know, the the super spy, the secrets within secrets type, you know, female James Bond of the Marvel Universe, you know, so it's right. awesome to see her, uh, you know, personify that so well. Yeah. And speaking of depth, we got we got a lot. I'm, I'm so glad. I think some of the complaints about uh, the Captain America character, Chris Evans portrayal is just being a little wooden, a little stiff. Uh, and I'm glad that in this one we got to see a lot more of who Steve Rogers is, who Captain America is. We got to see him as as a leader, as as somebody that, you know, that deserves to be in that suit and, you know, isn't just a, a guy that's just going to, you know, follow orders and, you know, blindly, that he's starting to kind of, you know, see what's really going on. So I, I was I was really happy that they added that depth to it as well. Yeah, we had a, uh, a lot of... Um... We didn't have a lot of opportunity in in Captain America: uh, First Avenger to to see Steve um, off base, you know, like you know, you know, on R whatever. He, he was always on the mission, on the mission. I mean, it, it moved so quick from one point to the next. We got to we had, we had chance to see more of him, uh, the Avengers even. You know, the whole the whole movie happened in the course of a probably a day and a half, if that. Uh, so so to see him extended out in this, you know, being a little reflective, seeing his home life such that such that it was even though still you know was steeped in the movie even being challenged by some of the things he was had to deal with uh was was very cool i think my favorite scene was um just when he was doing the solo uh trip to the uh, captain america exhibit at the uh, smithsonian yeah being a little reflective uh of his past um seeing what to him was just two years ago more or less uh that scene, you know, forty years of uh, seventy years of history behind it, uh, what the world knows him as. Um, to him, he was he was going down memory lane, uh, but his, it's still recent memory to him. Uh, and of course, the, the the scene with Haley Atwell as well. That was kind of uh, heartbreaking. It was, it was, but it was so good, and and I was so impressed actually that they went that route and and if i remember correctly was true to at least one of her her, her interpretations in the comics so far as uh suffering from alzheimer's in her in her old age yeah uh that that was actually uh, that made the scene for me honestly when she had that that you know uh that cough and everything and then like it kicked in and she's like she's seen it for the first time uh i think it would have been a strong scene without that but i think that made the scene for me oh i teared up a little bit and i think uh Many people who've had to deal with uh, older relatives who suffered from the same or similar ailments uh, probably feel the same way. It, it was, it went from a interesting scene to a very good scene in the space of that cough. And uh, that scene and the scene in Smithsonian, whatever, it just kind of it, it shows those emotional beats that make what happened with him and and uh, the Winter Soldier, you know, Bucky, at the end. Um, just that much more poignant, you know. He says, "You know, I'm with you to the end of the line and everything." It just kind of ties into everything else he has done as a character in the movie. I just thought that was really 
you know, like this emotional thread through the movie that was just really worked well. Yeah. Yeah. So speaking of uh, the Winter Soldier, uh, we didn't get as much Winter Soldier as I thought we would get. And uh, that's what we were saying when you uh, dropped oh, okay. out. Oh, gotcha. Um, Go ahead. Let's hear your thoughts. But I, I, I really... And that's okay. Like, I don't think that was a huge detriment. I think they got out of him what they needed to get out of him. Um, I thought the arm stuff was was excellent. I thought the way it kind of uh, it kind of moved and you know contracted and expanded, and you kind of felt like it was it, it. You know, normally when they do like a mechanical arm in a movie, it literally looks like they just kind of wrap somebody's arm. But this one actually felt like it had moving parts and pieces to it and had some flexibility. Uh, and I, th- I came off really well. And I think a lot of that is owed to the sound work. Because Absolutely. Because if you pay attention in any scene where he's in, you can hear like the quick and, yeah. the, the click and whir of servos constantly. Not just when he's moving. I mean, it's amplified then. But it really does give you that impression of something not otherworldly, but just you know, metallic and, and yeah. machine-like. Yeah. And even the look, I mean, when you say that normally something that looks like, you know, metal wrapped around the arm, that's, that's what it was. This was CGI, if you remember seeing some of the production stills. He he wore, um, I think, the upper piece on on his on his, his shoulder, upper arm with the star as a reference point. Um, but I believe the entire arm was, was CGI. Yeah. Uh, especially so on Flip few. Although I do have a question. How the heck did he get through security to get to the Smithsonian? Yeah. <laughs> He's got some of that... Uh... Maybe they did like uh, Stark did, and it was uh, stealth tech embedded into it. Yeah, maybe, maybe it's non-ferrous. There you go. Didn't set off the it's aluminum. 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 Um, but yeah, I think I think it, it it was really cool that it sets it up. I mean, I think unfortunately we're gonna have to wait until Cap Three before we get resolution. But knowing that they sub- signed Sebastian Stan for a nine-picture deal, knowing how the comics went, and he actually took over as Cap for a while. I, I could see it. I mean, I, I think it, you know, we've talked about this before, but I think Evans, when he reaches his sixth picture, I think he's probably out or at least out in a major way. You know, maybe he'll cameo yeah. here and there, but he's not going to be a major player. I don't think he, he wants to do other other things. Um, but I, I think based on this performance, I, I think I'll be OK with that when that time comes. I got to wonder, though, if uh, when he agreed to take the role of Bucky and they, they did the nine picture deal and he he. His first question had to be, had to be, and who who was cast to be Black Widow? ScarJo? Oh yeah, what do I say? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so we get Colby Smulders back, like I mentioned, as Maria Hill. Uh, not a lot of time with her either, though. Although she was where there when you needed yeah. her, she made the most of what little screen time she had yeah. for sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, we got Frank Grillo. I thought did a really good job as uh, Brock Rumlow. And for those that don't know Brock Rumlow. He is the character Crossbones from the comics, um, and he kind of uh, met a bad end at the at the end. But I think that was total setup for the fanboys, uh, like Jim, you were oh, saying yeah. with the, with the Easter eggs. Uh, the fact that he was so disfigured is obviously, I think, going to set up for and because he was like the main nemesis. I think they're they're setting that up for him to be like one of the big bads or one of the you know one of the returning characters in the third movie. He had some. I could even see him being set up as the main big bad for season two of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Like, have him be a guy who's hunting down S.H.I.E.L.D. agents or something, the few remaining ones left. He had some really great action scenes, not only with uh, Chris Evans, but also with Anthony Mackie there at the end. Yeah. He had some really good fight choreography going on with him. I mean, he was really kicking ass. So, I mean, it was that kind of, uh, you know, attention to the action scenes and his choreography and it, like, 
really made him feel like a credible threat to, to Cap and, and, uh, and Sam. Well, and all the action choreography in this movie was fantastic, from Batrock all the way to, you know, Cap and Bucky's hand-to-hand fights, or uh, what uh, Black Widow's doing, or, you know, Bucky versus uh, Falcon. Like, all those fights had a lot of personality. Well, these guys deserve my money for my, you know, my opening night ticket or whatever, for simply for making Batrock the Leaper cool. Exactly. And I guess it was George St. Pierre, who's like a big MMA guy that, that played him, and that was just a really cool scene where he just kind of calls Cap out. It's like, oh, you're going to, you need your shield and you need this. And when he throws down the shield and takes off the helmet and just takes him on one-on-one, that that was, again, the fight scenes, and just in general, the practicalness of this movie. I mean, yes, there was a lot of CGI with the helicarriers and with the Falcon and stuff, but there was so much practical. I mean, it, it really felt like uh, it wasn't just a CGI fair that we've come come used uh, gotten used to. I really appreciate the fact that they they tried to get as practical as they as they could. Yeah, especially with like those car chases, like with uh, the Nick Fury car chase sequence. Yeah, like that yeah. that really benefited from being shot practically. If that had been CGI, I just think it wouldn't have worked as well. It really had that. And that was way longer and more intricate than I would have ever expected. Like exactly. I'm not knocking it. I'm not saying it was too long, but that was a crazy car chase, gunfight. It was everything. Yeah, it was incredible yep. though. Yeah. Again, for a couple of, you know, action, uh, you know, newcomers, pr- pretty impressive uh, that, you know, they were able to pull that off. Well, I read an interview with them. They studied, like, a lot of action films that they enjoyed, and they said the, the one they really, uh, like, kind of patterned some of the action in this after was uh, The Raid Redemption by, by yeah. Gareth Evans. So. Yeah. Uh, so I guess rounding out a little bit of the, the uh, cast talk, uh, Emily Van Camp, played agent 13 uh sharon which uh emily van camp is on that show the abc show uh, uh revenge and so they she, they mentioned she plays revenge yeah yeah exactly uh they mentioned her name as of course agent 13 which we all know that sharon carter but at the very end uh black widow calls her her name is sharon and i really 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 wanted her to say sharon carter um, right. especially after that scene in the Smithsonian when, when, you know, her and, and, uh, uh, when they are n- not in the Smithsonian, but when they went down in the bunker and Black Widow and Cap were down there and he asked who the woman was and Cap didn't answer her and just walked away. That would have just, uh, to me, it would have just had so much impact that she would be oblivious to the fact that it was Sharon Carter, founder of S.H.I.E.L.D., right. that it was some relation to her, but, uh, alas, it was not to be. I wish she had been in a little that, more. Yeah. 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 Now there could be saving her. I mean, we will. She's been established now, so Cap Three could be where we're going to really get to know her more. I would think. I would hope the. Um, she catch though back at the apartment. She was on the phone with her aunt. Yeah. 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 She said you know something about her aunt, and I was like, oh, you know that would again. It would have just been really cool to see how that ties together. But. Uh, and do you think they're doing the aunt and not great aunt? Uh, great aunt eh. angle. Tomato, tomato. Or possibly just a great aunt that she says aunt because sometimes you don't feel like adding greats and second removes and first removes. Yeah, I don't. Exactly. I don't call yeah. any of my great aunts or uncles great aunt or great uncle. I just say aunt. But but yeah. The, now the coolest cameo for me, and I did not see this coming, uh, was Toby Jones back as Arnim Zola. And the way they did it, oh my God. the way they did it was genius. I mean, this old bunker down at Camp Lehigh. Th- so that was a cool callback for having him go back to Camp Lehigh. Um, yep. And to go inside a bunker, inside a bunker. 
And and just again, you know, the tactician, he's like, this shouldn't be here. The, you know, munitions, you know, depot shouldn't be within so many yards of a, you know, of a barracks and stuff. I thought that was that was a nice touch. Um, but to see all those those basically rows and 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 sections after sections of these old reel to reel mainframe style computers and that that is the sum intelligence of uh, Arnim Zola and then have him show up on the monitor. And then, of course, when cat punches the monitor and then he shows up on two other monitors i was like again it fits in the whole hydra thing it was just it was just really really well done i mean the yeah. effect they put on on uh, on toby's face too toby jones's face yeah you know, the kind yeah. of green you know old school crt uh readout to like as his face moved as he spoke uh also really really cool but again it it makes total sense because this is that's what the 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 Russians and the Americans did after the end of World War II. It was a race to get as many scientists out of Nazi Germany yeah. as as you possibly could, yeah. and they became, you know, part of the space program and and you know the, the weapons well, programs and he even, he even you know, named, every... doesn't he name check Project Paperclip? Yeah, he yeah. Uh, Black Widow does. Or one yeah. of them like during that because I mean that's a yeah. real like US that's a real deal. deal. Yeah, that wasn't like a comic book thing. That's a real thing. Yeah. So again, it was it was really cool to see that you know they're trying to much like they did in the present to go to the past and try and tie some of these elements you know as much as they could into this this right. real thing. Yeah, I love. I mean, considering we had that that uh, little Easter egg tweak in Captain America: The First Avenger when you saw him through the uh, the TV the scope yeah, monitor, yeah. TV monitor, which was kind of cool, nice little fun. But to see him there and fully real, not, you know, fully realize as a as a as a computer ai or whatever you want to call it um which is so cool because again in this real world kind of environment that they've been building to have this you know basically robot with a tv for a chest and a camera for a head would be a little out there however i i gotta believe before that missile hit he wasn't already backed up to something oh, yeah. more modern yeah and, well they even took we... the uh the flash drive with them not 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 that he's necessarily on that just his algorithm but uh, he might be right. able to survive through that and become, I don't know, something akin to an Ultron-type character, maybe? See, that's what I was go- where I was going to go with this, is that what if Arnim Zola is the tipping point that creates Ultron in Age of Ultron? Could, it could be. be. I think we've read that maybe Ultron was going to be based on Stark Tech, and I think, that, well, Vision is voiced by Paul Bettany, who, of course, is the voice of Jarvis, so there's got to be some kind of connection there. Well, uh, maybe Stark builds the body and puts Jarvis in it. Jarvis gets corrupted by Arnim Zola, you know, one plus one equals three. You get uh, you get Ultron out of that somehow. Maybe, well, maybe we'll, we'll, we'll Spader. see how they how that goes. But I wouldn't be surprised. Where I was going to see not only ultimately uh, an Armin Zola in a in some kind of android body uh, out of this, but uh, Modok. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Spader is Ultron, and and Betany is Vision. So we'll see how that how that plays out. Um, oh, two things. I, I know we, I, I was trying to wrap up cast, but there's there's two things I want to mention. Um, and if you uh, if you guys talk about this while I cut out, I apologize. Uh, Robert Redford as Alexander Pierce, who was good enough. I, I think Redford is. I think his age is is definitely showing uh, some of his. He still looks good though. Yeah, but it, it seemed a little stiff uh, to me. But but again, he he definitely has the gravitas. I mean, he definitely you know you could you could see somebody like him. It, he sold the role, I guess, is, is what I'm getting at. I uh, think the the most important thing about this, and I know there was a lot of rampant speculation before the movie came out that he was going to be the Red Skull somehow. That was mine. 
That was the one I thing was I'm so waiting. And I was, I, you know what, I'm, guys, in retrospect, I'm kind of glad he wasn't. Because, uh, I, I, I mean, he could have been, that would have been fine and everything, but I'm kind yeah. of glad he wasn't. It, it, right, it would have been okay, yeah, okay, great. What we got was so far out of left field and so satisfying, yeah. uh, I was thrilled by it. That said, I was going into this honestly expecting to see the Red Skull. I didn't know, I don't know how, I don't know how they're going to do it, because of the way we last saw him. I thought he would be involved. So when we didn't get the Red Skull, but we got Hydra and Zola, and we had all yeah. that, basically everything I was hoping to see, in a way I never would have expected, made it so, so amazingly satisfying. To yeah, me. that was a definitely Much a better than I ever could have come up yeah, with. Yeah, it was a good trade-off. I, I will agree, even though I was a big proponent of that theory. But uh, but yeah. And then the last one I want to mention um, is is Jenny Agater coming back as, as the British Council member. Now, where was um, Powers Booth, man? Well, that's. I think that's P- Pierce took over for for him because he was, because Pierce was the American member of the council, so that was Redford's. Did Pierce or Widmore? Widmore wasn't on it before. Was no, he? he wasn't. But I think he. I don't know who he was representing, but I'm pretty sure. Well, he's a Kiwi, I believe, right? So wouldn't he maybe be representing Oceania I, in general? Yeah, probably. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah, but um, yeah, I don't know. I didn't get a, a good sense from the Avengers of which one was quote unquote you know the head or the leader, but in this one, Pierce, he's the, I guess, undersecretary for Shield, or yeah, I took it. I took it as know, yeah, or the head of the Security Council, or the, there's still the Security Council, and then there's a secretary, which is Pierce, and then there's Director Fury, right? Or no, no, he, no Pierce said he has a seat in the Council, right? Right. Yes, he did. Okay. Yeah. Luckily, it's all destroyed by the end of the movie, so you don't have to worry about it too much. Yeah, because <laughs> I agree, it's it's a little bit confusing as wait who answers to whom and yeah. whatever. But that scene, I, I think the one thing well, we'll go with her. Keep going. I was just say the the twist on that at the end was cool with her, you know, starting to to kick a little ass, and then we see who it really is. Um, but you know, and it's funny, I can't believe I fell for it because yeah. I was so wrapped up in the movie. But when I first saw when you first saw Falcon and Cap, you know, approaching and starting their insertion. And then you saw Maria Hill doing her thing, and I thought, "Oh, where's Widow?" And then so right. much happened, I forgot about it. Same thing, it. yeah. So when she started kicking ass, I'm like, "Whoa, she's really..." Uh, oh, of course, it's it's Widow. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and now I want to go back and rewatch the earlier scenes with Jenny Agater and see if like the the hologram of her flickers or if she ever does anything to give herself away to the audience, that kind of I, thing. I I I don't remember anything, but yeah, I don't I don't know. I will. Uh, but again, Jenny Agater. Uh, do your, if you're not familiar with her, do yourself a favor and go either watch American Wolf from London or Logan's Run. You'll thank me later. Mm, Logan's Run. Um, so anyway, so that kind of rounds out the cast, which kind of an extended look, but we talk a lot about about the movie um, at that time. Plus, we got um, Jasper Sitwell uh, from the Agents of C- uh, Shield show. Yeah, um, <laughs> getting his uh, just desserts, as it were. Um, uh, gentlemen, let's let us pour one out for our homie. Um, Oh, you always he, like to mention food becomes you're, you're a real Hydra homie. I mean, he was not I, very I, good, dude. Come on. I had a clip. Uh, I was going to queue up, but I couldn't get it. But if you go back and listen to um, episode 16 of uh, the Shield TV podcast, where we t- from from the episode at the end of the beginning, Russ gushes over how much he loves that character and that actor, and he smiles every time he sees him on screen. It makes his day that much better. Hail Hydra! I might have cried a little. <laughs> I won't lie. <laughs> Although, I, I agree. I also love Sitwell, and I was shocked to see him turn out to be Hydra. My favorite Easter egg, my favorite single moment, like that. My favorite thing that wasn't so much a big plot point for the movie, but the little side things of all of them, was Gary Shandling 
because he put he changed or added such a little twist to Iron Man two with that one moment. Yeah, his entire motivations for Iron Man two come so clear now. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it was just it was cool uh, for me not only to see that character intertwined so well into the movie you know, with the continuity that they did some shield show. I mean. But he was always such the you know by the book hard ass on the show, and now yeah, know, it, turn, yeah. it turns out he's actually you know, a Hydra. Yeah, yeah, gone, gone, but not forgotten. I love that first um, Marvel one shot when it's just uh, Sitwell and Coulson yes. having coffee, and it's like, send the Patsy. Oh, send me. I'm, I'm a great Patsy. Oh, you are. You're a great Patsy. Your Patsy's legendary. <laughs> All right, so, I mean, at this point, we talk a lot about the movie, but I guess, you know, talking about stuff that's not character-driven. I mean, this was a fairly, I won't say overly complicated, but there was a lot going on. You had to pay attention in this movie to keep all the pieces straight and to what was going on and, you know, the fact that, you know, who was on whose side and, you know, Pierce trying to, to get, you know, Cap to question Fury, which I think Cap is always kind of you know kept fury at arm's length i mean he kind of knows who he is but um but you know thinks overall he, he his heart is in the right place even though sometimes his intentions may be not not the most sincere well not only the shifting loyalties but how quickly they shift i mean think about the yeah think about the the uh, the elevator scene right i mean he's literally yeah. talking to redford's character for like five minutes and by the time he gets on the elevator and by the time the elevator stops on the next floor these guys are already amassing to kick his butt. I yeah. mean, that quickly, these guys who were his allies on his last stop have turned, you know, and now are, are agents of Hydra. It, just, it was, uh, like like I said, I mean, you could definitely tell they were um, they were accessing this, like, 70s espionage, you know, like you said, Ross, you know, not knowing who to trust, who to turn to uh, type movies. But even from the very beginning, I mean, they went on the mission – and, you know, Cap's doing his thing and, and the S.H.I.E.L.D. agents are doing their thing. And, you know, he ends up finding Widow in this control room and he's like, well, wait a minute, you know, this wasn't our mission. And she's like, no, it wasn't your mission. It was my mission. You know, that that whole thing. And he gets pretty forceful with her, and especially after Fury gets hit, you know, and they're in the hospital. He grabs her by the arm and, I mean, he, he gets pretty physical with her, uh, you know, about it. And he's, you know, again, you know, because, of course, also Fury told him don't trust anybody. But again... I, I kind of at the back of my head was like, well, I don't think that, you know, Natasha is doing anything, you know, that's going to cause this to happen. But still, in the back of your mind, you're just like, well, you know, they 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 do sometimes take a right, you know, a left turn in these movies. And, you know, maybe there's more to this going on and maybe, you know, you'll you'll find out what it is. But but it may it may not be just a red herring, um, you know, after all. And I, I think a lot of the way Fury and Widow operated was to keep. Steve's hands clean you know they're gonna you know they're used to kind of being in the dirt and in the muck and they know that that you know Steve A won't stand for it but they don't want to to bend him that way I mean, but... I think the point he's trying to make is like they, they give they, they're trying to give Cap culpable deniability you know like he what he doesn't know won't hurt him I guess I don't know they want to use him as an asset, but I mean, they can't bring him in all the way because you know what they're doing is kind of on the shady side. But that opening sequence was great on the tanker with uh, with uh, Batroc and his men, and uh, it's the chore- chore- the fight choreography. 
you know, him jumping off without a parachute and his teammates just kind of being used to that. Um, yeah. Really, really great opening scene there. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. You can see everybody had their back. It was a good, good team, although, you know, immediately right off the bat, we're getting this, you know, not sure who to trust with uh, with Black Widow's side mission, and, you know, that kind of kicks off the whole the whole thing for, for, for Cap to figure out what's going on. Mm-hmm. I just, uh, I, I just, I don't know. I'm just so pleased with this movie overall. Um, the action was so much better than some of the other uh, uh, action movies I've been seen in the past few years. I mean, it was well, well photographed and well, well choreographed, and mm-hmm. a lot of times, you know, action, you know, especially fight scenes, just can, can get kind of. <coughs> I'm sorry, blurry and and, and it's hard hard to follow. But this was in no way that at all. It's just very kinetic, very clear, very like down in the action, and I like the way they showed off, you know, Cap's athletic ability, like his being able to jump more than a, a normal person or flip or, you know, use his acrobatics and athletics. Um, I thought they, they did that pretty well. It could be, it would have been really easy to go overboard or maybe show him as being a little too powerful, but uh, I don't think they did right. it at all. Yeah. You know, I liked, I liked, um, jumping back to the winter soldier a little bit. Uh, they took everything we've, you know, come to know about him in the comics and how they did it with, uh, uh, you know, keeping him in a, in a stasis, you know, for years at a time until they need him to, to complete a mission. That's why he's always seemed to be a ghost. He's gone doing stuff for over 50 years. Uh, I, I, I really liked how they brought in the way we found him in, uh, the first Avenger when, when Buck, where Cap rescued Bucky and he was, wasn't with the other prisoners. He was separated. And, I don't remember what we said about that at the time. If we thought maybe that was going to be a lead-in into yeah. becoming the Winter Soldier. Yeah, we did. Yeah, uh, We did say exactly that. Well, yeah, we, we were convinced that he wasn't just, like, laying there or he wasn't, you know, just being, you know, standard torture. That we were pretty sure that at that point they were they were experimenting on him. Right. You know, so, yeah, and then he said you know, whatever they did must have caused him to, to survive the fall. And and, and yeah, you know, to bring in bring in that, but remind us of of that of that moment. Um, but just how the the detail they gave us and how they they wiped his memory and kept him at bay and kept him programmed you know, with you know with the the helmet and he willingly did it. I mean, he put he took the mouthpiece and willingly willingly sat there. So unless they just have him that trained, um, but I think everything about that that movie was the moment where Redford tell says that line that we heard a trailer so many times that. I don't know about you guys, but I always thought he was saying it to Cap. Me too. You know, you've shaped the century. Yes. I'm asking you to do it one more time. Yes. And, and here he was in talking to the Winter Soldier the whole time. Well, I mean, that's decades and decades of conditioning and, and um, you know, suspended animation. I mean, no wonder, you know, he'd be, you know, complacent enough to put the bit in his own mouth or whatever for the electrocution, you know, to wipe his memory. I mean, his his best friend in the whole world. It finally doesn't dawn on him until the end of the movie who Cap really is. You know, I mean, he's just been. You know, I don't know. He just even beyond the story, I could tell in the in the performance. You know, he just his mind in Sebastian Stan's performance in this. It just seemed like his mind was not quite there throughout you know, the whole thing. I thought it was really yeah well played. You know, yep. it could have been it could have come off as mopey or emo or whatever. It didn't at all. It just he had more of a confused look or or just kind of like a. Look of like a, a frightened child or someone you know doesn't have a, the proper 
you know, motivation or discipline, you know, to be told, you know, he, he didn't have a mission, so he seemed lost, you know. Just, I, I just really, I, I like the performance a lot. One of the coolest moments um, I felt in, in the theater that I've, I've had in a long time is when the the piece, the mask fully comes off and he turns around. There were people in the theater that audibly gasped, and I was like, that is awesome. Because, I mean, we all knew exactly who he was and you know that 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 part of the the mystery of this movie was lost on all of us but to just hear people in the theater that had no clue kind of gasp like that i thought was awesome yeah they gave us enough time to remember who bucky was so they, they saw him just to kind of get him in the face of people who aren't as tuned in as we are so so you're right to, to see it in there uh was really good yeah, they were really nice and and subtle in their setup of Bucky as more of it being just a general setup for, hey, here's what happened if you missed the first movie. Um, and and then, then they also made it as, hey, we're setting up Sharon Carter in the, or Peggy Carter in the scene so we can transition to the next scene where he visits her in the hospital. And then the callback on that later really worked really well. But, yeah, we had the same thing in our theater with all the, with several gasps. And then one lady went said audibly, oh, no, that ain't cool. <laughs> <laughs> and the theater just started losing it. It was hilarious, um, it, unintentionally for the scene. But yeah, it yeah. it definitely played well in our theater as well. So there's there's been a lot of talk about a Peggy Carter TV series or spinoff or whatever. They did the one shot already. Um, they made a point of saying that A, she married one of the commandos, and B, that the only member of the commandos to perish was uh, was Bucky. So the rest right. of them made it through the war and made it out alive, and, and I would assume continue on. So... And maybe be shield agents. Maybe so. But but how about the revelation of this movie? You know, what does that do for an Agent Carter TV show? You're talking about the early days of Shield. I mean, there could be a whole subplot about the initial infiltration and 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 this this cancer growing within the ranks. Yeah. From the very beginning, they could really develop that out. Why not just have it be a two parter on the Agents of Shield show where they find a dossier that explains all that and they kind of you know have the two parter as an episode flashback. I wish you wouldn't have to care. Because I want a Peggy Carter. Well, it would be cool, but I don't know. You know maybe it's like a pilot or a backdoor pilot. I mean, that yeah. could be a very good uh, you know, idea for a backdoor pilot for sure, and you can get her in there. I mean, they've basically, not basically, not, not that they've already done it, but they've, they've teased it with the Agent Carter one-shot on the Iron Man 3 disc. Yeah. Um, which, which, you know, basically shows the moment, at least the moment where she's picked to run S.H.I.E.L.D. Right. Yeah. Uh, you know the key would be, and he's already said he's open to it to getting um, Dominic Cooper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, in as Howard, um, and how about that little callback talking about yeah. uh, the death, in, in, uh, implying the death of uh, Howard and Maria Stark was a, a Hydra operation because you know Howard must have got too close to them, right? Which also makes sense in the context of Iron Man Two of why he was hiding the Tesseract's power or the whatever the thing was called. That uh, that Tony used to rebuild the arc reactor and, yep. and, and but, stop poisoning himself. Yeah, yeah. Why he encrypted it, if you will, in the model, you know, all that. I mean, his his notes were probably shield common knowledge. They were in a shield locked case, um, so they certainly knew all that. But his actual solution, you're right, was hidden away for Tony to find. Yeah. Yep. Now did. did I take it nobody was thinking that Fury was really dead, right? I mean, oh no, yeah. no. No, although I was waiting for them to actually pull the uh, play the LMD card and have it be that, um, I was a little surprised they didn't do it. Yeah, they didn't call it an LMD, but but hey, doesn't matter. He, I, I think nobody. No, I knew he wasn't dead. 
and cool, you know, it was like, you know, Fury is notorious for having, like, off-the-book safe houses and stuff like that. So the fact that, yeah. you know, th- that they kind of incorporated that into it. And, of course, Hill... Had a couple of them. Yeah. Now, what was funny was the minute when, of course, they, uh, you know, after after the big face-off with when he realizes Bucky's the Winter Soldier, they all get captured, they're put in the van, and they're traveling. And the two guys are sitting in the, in the van... I thought that was going to be like a Dark Knight style reveal of of Jim Gordon, and the one person that took off the mask was going to be Fury. Um, but the fact that it was Maria Hill, I thought was hilarious, and she's like, "This thing is, you know, this this helmet was killing me or squeezing my brain or whatever it was." She said, "I don't know. I I was waiting. I don't know if I wanted her to be Hydra Hydra agent, but I again knowing her her character path, I really." I just wanted her to get in a situation where she says she needs a T-shirt that says Nick Fury is right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, they put it in the in the darn cartoon. Why couldn't they put it in the movie? Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, we we haven't talked a, a, too much about Project Insight in general, um, and I think this is where the writers kind of took what's going on in the world of today and taken it. To the extreme. It's like, okay, this is a world of superheroes and gods and aliens and, uh, you know, incredible things happening to people. How would, you know, what we know about NSA and, you know, GCHQ and all this other kind of stuff going on, how would that be extreme in this world? And Although the way he implied it was, or described it, I thought it was going to be a little more surgical. But when those weapons started firing, I'm like, there was going to be a lot of collateral damage. If they really took out the people I, that they want to take out, now, I thought that wasn't Zola the one who came up with the algorithm. Yes, okay. yes, I, I thought that at first, but I think that they did show some a lot of like weapons arrays that looked like they were a much smaller scale, almost like laser weapons. So I just kind of took it as the big guns were to fight. Like once this thing actually started happening, they would need some defensive maneuvers to to knock out like you know, fighter jets and everything else that yeah. were coming after them and that, you know, the smaller weapons were to, you know, to, to be the surgical strike. But, but again, you know, they even said, you know, we're going to basically do this millions of people at a time. So I, th- I think the, you know, the, the intention was, you know, you put, you put these helicarriers up there and they would just, you know, go from point A to B to C to D all the way through point Z. And in the end, they would basically just be left with a bunch of, you know, people that aren't going to, you know, cause any problems. But, uh, it it kind of put a interesting twist on the whole world domination thing. Yeah, it 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 wasn't like a you know crazy mad scientist kind of thing. It was like, look, we have an order for the world that we want to to put forward, and we're just going to eliminate anybody that would uh, uh, stand stand in our way. Yeah. Well, so when you think about how much uh, power that uh, those that having the, that kind of firepower in the air would give Shield, it only makes sense that it would be. Uh, have some sort of corrupting influence trying to take it over. Yeah. And again, we well, see... I got, the, I got the impression it was the corrupting influence that, that basically built it right uh, from the beginning. I think, I think, know, they without, were just fans, I think they were just fans of the movie Real Genius and they wanted to make that happen. <laughs> yeah, same, without, without Hydra's influence, I don't... <laughs> yeah, without Hydra's influence, I don't think that was, that was going to be built. Although I, I a little disappointed... Uh, it makes sense, but they uh, CGI'd the uh, hull numbers. Uh, they didn't have carrier hull numbers like they did in the Avengers. It was their own IN yeah. one, two, three. Yeah. Because uh, in the trailer, they they had changed that that one Quinjet that was being towed onto the uh, tractored onto the uh, 
the deck, it, it, it was marked with a 65 and landed on a deck that said 65. And I'm like, oh, that's the, that's the Enterprise refitted to be a, a helicarrier. Yeah. And uh, they didn't do that in the final product. No. I, I, a couple things. One, I thought all the shield, the cap, the cap's use of a shield, I thought was was awesome. I mean, when he took out that Quinjet, or that, that what I'm going to call yeah. the Quinjet or the shield, you know, jump Herrick, Helicar- Herrick, Harry or whatever. I, you know, it was. I thought at first, like when you see the previews, you know, he throws the shield and it hits the the, uh, you know, the propeller or whatever, and then that that's it. So you're like, oh, that's how he took it out. So it was kind of cool to see in the movie. Nope, he jumps off the motorcycle, lands on top. Throws the shield, bounces it off the two rear fins, and just starts. I, I just, I just, just thought it was dismantled the thing. It was just well done. I mean, it was just, it was just so well done, and just his use of when he jumps out of the elevator and he basically oh. falls. I was like, what is he going to do? You know, I was like, is he got a parachute in there? You know, what's what's going on? And he actually uses the shield because it's vibranium and can absorb mm-hmm. all of the impact. He basically uses it as a, as a, you know, as a, as a cushion. Um, yeah. But again, it was cool. I mean, it definitely had an impact on him. You know, just stuff like that I thought was just really well done. His fights with the Winter Soldier using the shield. And um, it, I, I just like the street levelness of it, the grittiness of it that, like I said, um, and it wasn't shot like one of those movies where there's a billion really close close up shots and, and, and all these cuts. So you can't see what the hell's going on. Uh, so it was nice that they kind of pulled the camera back a little bit, and we got to see some actual choreographed fighting. And again, Jim, like you were saying, you know, one of the influences being the Raid Redemption. That's one of the things I noticed in that movie too. Is is we actually get to see people fight and not just a bunch of cuts. Right, and it's not blurry or kind of hard to follow right. at all. Um, right. I really, um, if I could transition uh, from what you were saying, the the <coughs> I'm sorry, the one scene where the Mortar Soldier is holding the shield, the way Cap would. Um, yeah. What a cool little Easter egg. I was wondering what were some of you guys, uh, guys, uh, favorite Easter eggs. I know the Doctor Strange reference we talked about already. Um, uh, the, the, I like the one, the bit about the uh, valedictorian from Iowa, which I think, uh, Jordan spotted as being an Amadeus Cho reference. Well, uh, to, to be clear, it was not me who spotted it, but the internet in general. But yes, it's most likely a reference to Amadeus Cho. Um, I mean, there were just so many little Easter eggs going on there. Like we talked earlier before about the, uh, you know, Howard Maria Stark's um, um, you know, desk not being an accident, being orchestrated by Hydra. Um, I don't know, just so many little, little uh, Easter eggs going on in there. What were your, some of your favorites? I mean, uh, of course, Nick Fury's to, uh, Tombstone was probably... Uh, yeah. Was really, really yeah, great. Path of the Righteous Man. Yeah, the uh, I liked how in the uh, in the uh, audio uh, at the Smithsonian they finally named them as the Howling Commandos. Yes, yes. And that whole display of them was awesome too. The way they were standing with Cap in the V formation with Dum Dum and the rest, and yeah, that was mm-hmm. just awesome and whatnot. They were life size action figures. Yeah, I like the fact that he went back to his World War II Cap uniform. You know, he he said, "Well, if you you're going to yep. start a war, you have to have a uniform." Yeah, I like when he when he went to get the. Uh, we we don't see him steal the uniform, but we see the aftermath of it, and uh, the, the 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 poor Smithsonian security guard lamenting that he's going to be so fired. Yeah, yeah. I think he's. I think he'll be okay in his jets. I think he'll be fine. The yeah. Stanley cameo. We got to have that. So this, the uh, Doctor like, Strange one for me was was the one that was the one I was like, oh, they did not just say that. There were so many when they were showing the targeting computer from the Project Insight as well. Like they showed Stark Tower, um, yeah. you know, Avengers Tower, I guess, or whatever. And uh, 
mean, I would. I can't wait to go back to on the Blu-ray and do, you know, a stop frame on each one of those because I'm sure there are a lot more that I'm missing. And I hope somewhere in there I looked, but I didn't see it. I hope somewhere there's a shield agent on one of those helicarriers or in that in the Triskelion with the last name O'Grady. I didn't see it. <laughs> I looked because some of them did have last names, like um, uh, the guy who plays Abed on uh, Community. He definitely had a last name on his. But I did not spot an O'Grady. Maybe he'll be playing Gallagher. <laughs> yeah just just really well done and i you know i just i was not i mean i had very high expectations and i think you know everything they did met and exceeded them which is very hard to do i mean i think that was part of the issue i had with iron man 3 um and i don't think it quite lived up to my expectations and i think that's more on me than it is on them as a movie um but but i think that says a lot for uh you know, everybody that put this movie together, you know, that a movie can have such high expectations in your mind and be able to exceed that is, is, is an unusual thing. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. I mean, obviously the bar was set pretty high from the, all the other Marvel universe movies. I mean, not, not one, I, I don't really think any of them has been like an out and out dud. I mean, there've been things I've, there've been ones I've liked more than others or whatever. But, I mean, the bar is set pretty uh, high for the quality there already. And I think, as Russ said, it just kind of exceeded expectations and really went over the top, uh, at least as far as I was concerned. I, I really enjoyed it a lot. It's probably my second favorite of the Marvel uh, movie universe after Avengers. Yeah. And bold. I mean, you know, we, we kind of hinted at it and talked about it. I mean, the Triskelion is basically shot, done, over, which we've gotten first. You know, it was on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. that we first were, you know, it was called out by name. Um, mm-hmm. but it's done and over shield as an organization is done and over. And I mean, th- you want to talk about bold. That's really what gave us a glimpse into the fact that these movies were going to tie together into something bigger was when Coulson showed up in, in, in Iron Man and, you know, you know, read out the acronym for shield and, you know, the, the to, to have a show called Marvel's agents of shield and there now be no shield. That's pretty bold. And plus, like you said, they were the connective tissue that kind of held the, you know, the cinematic universe together, and now they're gone. You know, so I mean, what you know, what is there now? I mean, we're obviously going to have Coulson and his group, you know, agents of nothing, you know, like Nick Fury, agents of nothing. Um, no, I read, I read an article that um, the there are remnants of Shield out there. Um, it's not as centralized or organized as it once be, but it's it, and something's going to continue, and it's going to be up to them to do it. Uh, I don't want to go any more than that, based on what we saw uh, on tonight's episode as we record this of Agents of Shield. Um, but because we'll save that for when we discuss that episode later. Uh, but it's um, it's not as torn apart as it was, and plus I don't think it could be because I mean Shield. I think even in this MCU is still an international organization. It's not strictly the United States, even though they kind of implied that at the Senate hearing. Um, right. Or whatever that committee was, was that, you know, you dismantled our uh, our intelligence committee. It's like, well, no, it wasn't really yours. It was the world. So I think it's, there's still more stuff out there. Um, I, I think what we'll see, though, is we'll see S.H.I.E.L.D. continue over the next year through the next season of uh, the TV show, which has it officially been picked up yet again? No. No, not officially. Been. I know it's been said that it's around for some time to come because I, I honestly believe this is a key part of the grand plan for the MCU. Uh, and plus, 
the ratings haven't have been down have been lower than other than they could be but not bad uh, but we'll, we'll see shield become whatever it's going to become through that show and be solidified in Avengers Age of Ultron. At least that's my hunch of how it will go down. Yeah, I I agree. I agree with that. Um, so I guess you want to talk about the Stingers? Yes, please. You want to do the last one just because so it's shorter and easier first? Yeah, I, I, yeah. So we'll talk about the the very very end scene. And so after sitting through all of that, my wife looked at me and said, "Really, really? That's what we stayed for?" Um, yes. I, I, I was like. I was a little disappointed. Um, I thought it was cool because it it, well, it shows Bucky coming to the realization that he's pretty much been lied to his entire life. That um, at one point his life did mean something. He was a part of this, and it, I, I'm sure that is going to help and jog it free. Um, I yeah. thought it was cool, but but yeah, I mean, when you're sitting there having no. to pee and you're waiting for the credits. Oh, no, no. There was plenty of time, Jim. Thanks for the heads up. There was plenty of time yeah. between the scenes to go and come back. Yeah. I, 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 I can, I prove that. <laughs> but the, uh, that scene was, was, I think very important. If you really want to follow Bucky's story, because True. we saw him when he first met cap and cap called his name. was like, who's Bucky. He was questioning that moment in the back at the, his handlers, whatever right. you want to call that, that chamber. Um, and then in the fight, he, he, he still was completing his mission, but when it was all over and he had a chance to really kind of dial it back and he, he basically was free now because, you know, he's, he's off the leash. No one can find him. Shields and hydras in disarray at this point. Um, so he's on his own own now. So he's had no, nothing to do, but explore. So now we're left. Our last scene of Bucky isn't just sitting at the side of the thing. Um, I mean, don't forget, he saved Captain Cap. I mean, he he pulled right. him in the water and dragged yeah. him to shore. So he clearly was responding to 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 Cap's pleas. So now he needs to go find that out. And so he goes to the one place he he learns he can find that out, which is well. Let me let me learn about myself. I learned about Cap and comes face to face with that that picture of him uh, reading his story. And so now we know he's exploring that and trying to learn on his own uh, who he really is. Uh, and that's going to be significant. I mean, come on, we got seven more outings with that guy coming up. Let's let's. I'm looking forward to seeing him. Yeah. Uh, no. I, yeah. I sure. am going to call it now. I'll call it here. Cap three is going to be the death of Captain America. I don't think so. Nah, I, I don't think you know, so. Chris Evans got a couple more into him yet. Unless you're thinking the death of it and the ultimate return. No, I'm thinking of like yeah. you know a, a version of the death of Captain America storyline from the comic with uh, Bucky taking over as Cap. Because I mean, like we said, Chris Evans only, said he only wanted to do two more movies. The... No, he's got six. So Avengers three would be his last his last contracted movie. Okay. So I yeah I don't uh, I don't I don't think so. I think I uh, my guess is and you, I mean Jimmy you could be totally right. My guess is that Cap takes some sort of retirement or maybe he gets promoted to be either in charge of a newly formed Shield or something like that. Kind of like in he'll be General America. Yeah, General America, and then and then Bucky takes over as as the actual you know costume Captain America, but but who knows? Steve Rogers, director of S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah, yeah. I could also the, see, uh, I mean, at the end of the Secret Empire storyline in the comics, he went off to become Nomad and just kind of traveled around the country, you know, kind of freelance Captain America in, um... I could kind of, fighting to put right what once went wrong. Yes, yeah. exactly. Um, have fun storming the castle. Anyway, um, the, um, 
I, I could see them kind of taking that attack with it too. Um, it'll be interesting at any rate to see where they go with the character now, especially now that he doesn't have you know the support system that he did with Shield. Yeah. So now for the bigger scene, and it's funny all of these like connective tissue stingers that they do all seem to be shot on like a smaller scale. Like I guess maybe the the Thor one with the hammer wasn't wasn't that way, but well, that was yeah that was shot. Um, on set, if you yeah. will, in the desert. I mean, that was done there. Same thing with the uh, um, and the Avengers was just like a, a clip of the scene, and then um, a trailer tacked on the end right. from from yeah, but from Thor to the Avengers, but the uh, or from Cap to the Avengers rather. Um, but this one, so for those of you that don't know the character that they showed, uh, is Baron Wolfgang von Strucker, who in the comics was a main nemesis of not only Captain America, but of shield, um, been around in, I guess, several incarnations, uh, and, and I guess ancestors even from world war two on, uh, into the, into the current day. And we find that he is in possession of Loki's, uh, uh, magic stick, scepter, yeah. magic scepter from the Avengers and the glow stick of destiny. Yeah. The glow stick. Yeah. Or as, uh, Kevin Smith calls it the Loki pokey stick. Um, <laughs> Uh, but we see that he has the twins and we see that, uh, he has the Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver in cages. Uh, and we're not really sure at this point what's going on, whether they were experimented now, on. What do you say? He said it's soon they will meet. So like maybe the twins yes. don't even know about each other or don't know they're right next to each other like that or maybe. Yeah. Or soon they'll meet the Avengers. It wasn't clear what he meant. Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't. Right, right. But we got a little am glimpse. I, am I, am I wrong for until that moment, not even thinking about the scepter and what happened to it after the Avengers. But clearly, if Shield had it, therefore Hydra had it. Yeah. Yeah, I just assumed. I I just assumed that they would have. But I guess in that scene, when you when you watch the end of Avengers and and Thor takes Loki back, they, he doesn't have the scepter. So no. The last time you ever see it is when they're all crowding around Loki after he's been thrown into the ground by uh, by the Hulk, and uh, Hawkeye is pointing the air at him. Uh, Black Widow is holding. She's holding it. Yeah. The scepter yeah. Oh, wait a minute! I thought they used the scepter to get back to Asgard. Don't they put it in that thing? No, oh, they use a tesseract. They use a tesseract. Remember, they had it in that container, and they oh, he okay. he turned the he, handle he on engaged it, engaged it, and off yeah, they went. Right, yeah. Right. I knew it was something glowy. Okay. Yes, it was. <laughs> yes. <laughs> The glowy MacGuffin of doom. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. So I'm not really sure what this means for anything. I mean, I guess Strucker is going to have a role in Avengers: Age of Ultron. We know, we know for sure that Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch do. Um, but it sets things up that there's there's something else going on. Um, yeah. These these end tags, these story related ones, if you will. Um, at least over the last three movies have have. St- up until now, they've teased the next movie, but now since Phase Three, they're teasing, um, they're skipping the next movie and going to the one after. So, right. Uh, well, Iron Man was its own thing. Um, Thor Two teased Guardians, and now Cap Two is teasing Avengers. So, what's Guardians going to tease? Well, probably. I'm I'm guessing Guardians may do go the Cap route of the first Cap movie, where they just do the. Here's a little sneak peek of of, of the yeah. Avengers. Yeah, that's yeah. what I think too. Because that's uh, the last movie that came out before the Avengers. Is what they did. They said like, you know, that was the end of things. I, yeah. I, well, and the rumor that started yesterday, uh, there was a Firefly panel at some con. Yes. I forget exactly where, 
But somebody asked Nathan Fillion, you know, you've got ties to Whedon, you've got ties to James Gunn. Um, where, what role would you have wanted if you were to be able in Guardians of the Galaxy? They said, if I was in Guardians of the Galaxy, or when I was in Guardians of the Galaxy, maybe you should stick through the movie and check the credits. Now, whether that means that he has, he's an extra somewhere, or whether he's in an end credit scene as some kind of cameo, um, I've heard some people even suggesting maybe the voice of Cosmo, um, who knows, but it's now been rumored that he's in the movie and connected to the credits somehow. Yeah, he's always good for spreading his own rumors that don't go anywhere, too, though, so... Yeah. <laughs> that is true. Yeah. Can you imagine a Captain Mal cameo at some point with the Guardians? You know, just real quick. Yeah. Just like on the screen. Yeah. It's like, okay, thanks a lot, or something. He jumps off the screen. Maybe he's in one of those cells. That'd yeah. be hilarious. Yeah. But yeah, so I, I was I was pretty impressed with this as a tag. I, th- I thought I didn't expect it coming. I think with some of the other ones, we kind of like expected it but i didn't know what to really expect with this one and so i thought i it had me very intrigued to see everything that was kind of going on um and and to and to what you know what might be it, it just seems like the more it's very early at this point but the more we hear about avengers age of ultron there's a lot going on um and and i'm really i'm really curious as to as to you know how it's all going to come together it's all connected it is so do we want to do ratings out of 10? I'll uh, throw it out on 9.6. Jim? I give it a 9 out of 10. I thought it was really great. Um, I loved it a lot. Uh, just really, really good wall-to-wall action. Uh, the espionage flick that happened to also be a Captain America movie. Um, so 9 out of 10. Mr. From Jersey? I had a few very minor quibbles with the movie, and when I say very minor, I mean very, very minor, um, which if anybody wants to hear more about that, we, we've already released one episode of Jersey Shore, um, my other podcast, about Winter Soldier, and we've got another one in the bag that will be coming out next week where you can hear them there. But, so it's, I, I'm so close to a 10, I think I like to go in, you know, 0.5 intervals, so I'm going to go in 9.5, but this was an excellent excellent movie um right up there with avengers for me it's it's still too early for me to say i think which one i think was better but they are really really close and beyond you know just a good captain american movie or a good uh, marvel movie this was a really good movie good movie right this was a awesome throwback to 1970s 1980s uh political spy thrillers that happened to have a guy walking around in an american flag costume like beyond that, this is just a solid, solid political thriller. I I, I kind of feel like it's Marvel's Dark Knight, right? I mean, you know, you, if you take the Dark Knight and take Batman out of it and the Joker out of it and just make it, you know, kind of this cat and mouse, you know, type of movie, it it's just a solid good movie. And I think the same thing is true with with the Winter Soldier. Is if you like you said, Jordan, if if, if you take the costumes out of it, you know, these people don't have ridiculous powers. I mean, yes, they are enhanced. Um, but it's just it's just a solid, a solid action political thriller, um, and so I'm I'm kind of similar to you. I'm I'm going to give it a nine point nine. I mean, to me, this is so close to Avengers. I mean, I still feel that Avengers is my favorite um, superhero movie of all time. Period. I mean, it just it, it it's perfect on almost every level, and this movie is just so close to that. It's it's where. The first Avenger was everything I wanted in a Captain America origin story. The Winter Soldier is everything I wanted in a modern-day Captain America movie. 
uh, that isn't afraid to let him walk around in his in his street clothes with the shield and it not be kind of ridiculous. Um, and it, it just fired on all cylinders for me, and I'm 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 just I I'm, I couldn't be more pleased with it. So um, highest possible recommendation. I know John, who couldn't be on tonight, said this is this is his favorite Marvel uh, cinematic movie. Period. Like this is this is his this tops Avengers for him. Um, and you know, being with all the action and the hand to hand combat and stuff like that, I mean, that pushes all his buttons uh, for sure. So any any uh, any do we have any final? Oh, I've I've one final thing. When we talked about Fury, we talked about the, the cameo or the, the teaser with the uh, gravestone, but I thought it was funny that he's basically left to uh, walk the earth like Kane on Kung Fu. <laughs> so I, I, I took that as the second. Oh, uh, 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 actually a third. When they talked about his address and they said something about him being in Inglewood, wasn't that a Pulp Fiction reference to? Would, isn't when they had Marvin in the back of the car after they shot him in the face? Didn't they say something about Inglewood or that they couldn't go back gentlemen, to Inglewood? Or... Gentlemen, I see a taxi ride in your future. Move out of the sticks, guys. Yeah, because that's what, that's what um, uh, the wolf says to them. You know, the yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they want a ride back into town. Yeah. And then he's like, you hungry? You want to get breakfast? <laughs> and it leaves the whole town, scene. Yeah. Nice. Um, so I guess, is that about do it? Anybody have anything else? No, I'm good. Hail Hydra. Hail Hydra. Hell Hydra. Oh, that's that's the meme now. Of I was going to say, I hope that meme runs out of steam soon. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm already kind of tired of it. Or we might have to build some helicarriers of our I, own. To I saw out. I saw a link to like something calling all the best ones. They, yeah, they weren't that good. I think that Burton one is the best one, and that's it. Yeah. Um. All right. So that's about does it. So thanks everybody for listening. If you're watching this on the YouTube channel. Uh, we appreciate that. This is, like I said, hopefully this went over well. We'll probably be doing more of this as time goes by. Our good friend, uh, by the for... way, our good friend Callum from Down Under is watching us on YouTube right now. Awesome. He, hey. just, uh, he just met, sent us a message on Facebook. Wanted to know if you could chat on YouTube. I wasn't sure. We're um, still figuring it out, Callum, but yeah, we'll, we'll work it out eventually. When we have, we'll definitely be doing some more shows that are like Q&A-ish. Um, that's a feature we have to enable when we start the, the call, um, but being this is the first one out of the gate, uh, it's a pretty structured show. Uh, you know, that's that's why we did it. But, again, thanks, everybody, for, for listening. Um, if you're listening to this on the podcast, um, you know, keep an eye out on Facebook and stuff. We'll definitely in the future give m- much more notice than, hey, we're doing this right now. But our next uh, Real Heroes episode, if we're lucky, this is early April. Uh, we do have Green Lantern coming up as the next one. After that, more so than so we're not lucky. Yeah, if, yeah, we're not. We're definitely not lucky. The wheel is a is a is a horrible mistress. My mom wrote um, me a note for that one, so I'm going to be sick that bad. Day. It wasn't great by any means, but it wasn't the horrible thing ever. Oh my god! <laughs> really? Because I heard Green Lantern was in it. <laughs> oh, uh, at least we're not watching Steel. Um, Shaquille O'Neal as Steel. Not yet. Not yet. Not yet. I am actually mad I missed the Roger Corman Fantastic Four episode I'm surprised you didn't join us for that one yeah I I either didn't know or I just otherwise missed a recording day but I God, that that movie has a has a warm place in my heart (laughs) Um, but yeah so after that if we don't get to Green Lantern before then our next uh, adventure in Real Heroes will definitely be uh, The Amazing Spider-Man 2 uh, followed sh- followed shortly by uh, X-Men Days of Future Past, which, as I'm putting the old episodes up on the website, um, we actually did way, way back, 
Um, in episode, I think it's, I'm looking it up right now since we're live. Um, I think it's episode 16 or 19. Uh, no, it may even be wow. earlier yeah, we, than that. We did we the did. actual book of Days of Future Past. It yeah. is episode... What? No Real Heroes 19. Forgot... Wait a minute, wait a minute. No Real Heroes for Godzilla? Was Godzilla based on a comic book? No. Comic books have been based on Godzilla. I don't know if that counts. Yeah, no, it's got to be the other way around. Um, No, so episode 19 we did on X... And X-Men uh, Days of Future Past. Uh, and so, yeah, likely whatever we spin in Green Lantern, we will not be covering probably in May, just because May is going to be pretty packed. Um, and then we might have a little bit of a break. And then, of course, we'll we'll have Guardians of the Galaxy in August. Um, so, yeah, so we'll sneak something in there. Um, check out HHWLOD.com for all the cool stuff that we do on the network. Um, Real Heroes, Long Walks of Doom, Half Hour Wasted, Out Now with Aaron and Abe, Jersey Shore, uh, the Shield TV podcast, uh, if you're so inclined, the Walking Dead TV podcast, tons and tons and tons of stuff. Uh, check out facebook.com slash HHWLOD um, for all the cool stuff there. And then, of course, the YouTube channel, uh, youtube.com slash HHWLOD podcast network. Um, and again, we got some old stuff and we hopefully will be doing some new stuff. So until next time, this is Russ, Jim, Jordan, and Ken uh, signing off for Captain America, the Winter Soldier. When do we start? We just did. <laughs> Which, by the way, that line's not in the movie. How weird was that? Yeah, you're right. Yeah. It's so weird that, A, they used the last shot of the movie in the trailer, and, B, they use lo- an extended version in the trailer that feels like it should have been in the movie. Uh, it's just a strange point. Oh, well. Good night, everybody. Good night. <laughs>